Welcome to the KPC Podcast. This week's message is from Pastor Steve Keller. All right, my dear friends, let me pray for us, and then we're going to get into the Word of God and follow that up with communion. So, I, amen. I'm with you. Father God, thank you for the riches of your Word. And Lord, as I preach this message today... Um, you, have, <laughs> you have hit me between the eyes like uh, you have rarely hit me with the very word that I'm preaching to other people. And I just thank you for that, Lord God. I thank you that this word is so living and so real. And your spirit uh, it, it just so, so uses your word in our lives that even to come in and to prepare um, is to encounter the living God. And we just thank you today for that. We thank you. Lord, for, for, for a word that changes everything in us. And God, would you do that today? Would you change us? Father God, would you make us different? Lord, would you keep us from being folks who just kind of do what we do every week, but Lord, to a living, growing, changing, ever-reforming, ever-being-filled-and-released community of Jesus Christ. And we just pray all this today in the name of Christ. Amen. Choir, awesome job. That, was, that is one of my favorite... Um, I didn't know I didn't know you were going to do that today. That that is like one of my favorite choral pieces ever. And I thought, oh my gosh, I haven't heard it for a few years, but it's beautiful. I, sorry, I just had to give you an advertisement. It was great. Okay, well, um, uh, just a tiny, tiny bit of catch up from last week. We are in the Book of Romans together now. We're at the beginning of it. And last week, I preached a sermon that was entitled "Those People." Okay, and and those people are all those folks out there in the world who are outside of faith. They're outside of Christian faith. Um, they are outside of the church today, but they are all around us. And, and so we asked a question to start off last week. When it comes to the world, what is wrong with the world? You know, why is it so often that whether we turn on our TV or we're driving in traffic or we're just interacting and moving around, there's so much anger and, and emptiness, you know, and, and there really is a spiritual darkness that we can't dismiss. Well, the good news is that's the question that Paul answered for us last week in Romans uh, chapter 1, verses 18 through 32. Um, Paul says, look, the world is this way because people simply reject God. They reject God and His Son, Jesus Christ, and by definition, that is literally godlessness, okay? No God for me, that's godlessness. And that godlessness has given birth to, to all of the wickedness and the darkness that we see out there. And because of, uh, of that also, we had verse 18, which is a tough verse, but it says, look, the wrath of God, not was or will be, but the wrath of God is being poured out upon all of those who are godless. And, and we see it in that they have been given over to their sin. In other words, sin is the God you chose. You know, sin is the master that, that you in the unbelieving world have insisted upon, and so the world is the way it is. And then, of course, we had that other sad little note in, in, in uh, the sermon last week is that what makes it even more tragic is that nobody outside of Jesus Christ can make excuses. You know, people can't shrug their shoulders and go, hey, that, that is really unfair. You know, I, I, I never had a chance to know this God. I've never met him before. Uh, I, I, this, is, this is just the most unfair thing ever. The reason they can't say that is because God's creation is a burning witness to him. 
everything in God's creation, its design, its beauty, the fact that, you know, you see a sunset and you just, you got to double take. It's all pointing upward to God, saying there is a creator. He's got a plan for your life. Life doesn't work without him. So all men and all women, as Paul say, they, they are without excuse. But of course, the good news, and we, we, we got this at the end yesterday, the good news is that all of this can be reversed for an unbelieving world. And of course, we're talking about Jesus Christ. He is the way out for unbelievers to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? As Paul said last week, because Jesus Christ is the power of God uh, for all, everyone who believes they come to life, he brings salvation. So to accept Jesus Christ and to follow Jesus Christ is the way out of the darkness. Okay, so that was last week. And some of you are going, why didn't you preach that quick last week? But anyway, it's because, you know, we had little anecdotes and things. All right, so we have a new Sunday, and a new Sunday brings with it a new sermon title. The title of this sermon is We the People. Okay, and with a new Sunday and a new sermon title brings a new question. And the question is... Have you ever looked at the church of Jesus Christ, okay? Um, ha- have you ever kind of scanned the church in America or just taken an emotional inventory of the church and you've ever asked a similar question, which is, what's wrong with the church? Has anyone ever done that besides me? Okay, good. I'm not the only one. I mean, I mean really, asking that question in light of after everything that Jesus Christ said and did, while he was on this earth to draw us to God, after, after Jesus dying on the cross to save us from death and from hell, um, after all the instruction in the New Testament on spiritual life, and after the transforming work and the gifting of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers, why so often in the church do we see so much anger? You know, and not every church, I know, but why do Christians seem to be so angry? Why so often uh, do we see so many churches that are so anemic, you know, just weak? It's like, church, where is your voice? Where is your presence? Where is your impact? Why do we look at the church so often and see that so much of the energy that the church has is wasted on the inside of the building instead of out there where the mission field is. And then even more personally, why are so many Christians wounded and bound up instead of free and healed? It's a good question to ask. I think, I think healthy people ask those kind of questions. Well, today, Paul is going to deal with this subject for the church, and I'm going to back up just a tiny bit to Romans 1, 24 through 25, and what Paul's going to do is he is going to inch toward answering this question, and we'll get it today, by bringing up an issue, okay? Now, this was an issue for the church in Rome. You may have heard of it before, but the church is really, you know, the, the, the This is a big deal for them. So verses 24 through 27, I promise with what is coming next, um, I'm going to keep it rated G, okay? But listen to this. Paul writes, God abandoned them. Now, who is them? Them is the unbelieving world, uh, some within the world. God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth of God for a lie 
They worshipped and served created things instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Okay, what is Paul talking about here? Um, You could say the word, it's okay. Um, Paul, Paul is actually talking about homosexuality, okay? Now, here's a side note. If you have someone in your life who struggles with homosexuality, someone that you love dearly, and I've got some really dear friends, and I mean good friends who are in the lifestyle, here's what I want you to do. I want you to hang in there with me for a minute, okay? Paul has got some life-giving things to say. It's going to be good, okay? So just, and if not, you can talk to me about it later, okay? But Paul starts off, and he says some, some very clear and absolute things about homosexuality, okay? Now, not just homosexuality, he is also talking in reference to other worldly sins, but he starts here, okay? Um, because this is something that was all around the Roman world. So Paul, Paul kind of looking back on last week and looking at what he, what he says here, he starts off by saying, look, here, here's the bottom line. If you do not worship the Creator, human beings were made for worship, you will worship something else. Now, that's a bottom line spiritual truth. And, uh, and, and here he's saying, look, you'll worship sin in some form. Now, one of the clear winners in the ancient Roman world, okay, one of the other things that got worshipped were uh, sexual sins. You know, ancient Rome was a hedonistic place, okay, filled with sensuality. And one of the most glaring sexual sins in Rome was homosexuality. Now, sometimes people complain and say, you know, it's just out there. Let me tell you something. Let's go back to ancient Rome because it, it, it was actually, you know, much greater there. So, Paul says in response, in response to homosexuality, he says three very clear things. Now, verse 25, he says, look, the idea that homosexuality is okay and acceptable that is a lie, okay? Verse 26, it is unnatural. Now, by unnatural, that means it goes against God's creation design for marital intimacy. And then Paul says in verse 27, it's also outside of what God calls normal and God calls right. So, in other words, it's not the will of God. So, here is where the Bible stands on this issue, and I know it's still with us today. Bottom line is, homosexuality, according to Scripture, it is a sin, okay? That's just, that's, you know, got a beef with that? Talk to God. It's His Word. But that's where Scripture stands. But here's the thing. But then Paul follows uh, this sin of homosexuality with a list of 13 other sins. And this often gets dropped, missed, and read around. 13 other sins in verse 29 and, uh, and 30, and there are more that Paul could list, but he stops there, and immediately we all have a problem, okay? 
we all have a problem because the problem is that the sins that he lists next involve every single one of us, okay? And when I say all of us, I mean unbelievers and believers. Here they are, envy, Uh uh-oh, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossip, slander, God-hating, insolence, arrogance, and boastfulness, inventive ways of doing evil, and then finally, every parent, you know, we appreciate this one in Scripture, disobeying or dishonoring our parents. So the point is, take homosexuality, take the other 13 sins, these are all wickedness. They, they are all sins. And so what Paul is saying here is, look, it's not only those guys out there that have a sin problem. We've got a sin problem too. So I mentioned this before, what Paul has done, and it was really sneaky of him. I'm going to talk to Paul about this in heaven. But what he's done is he's thrown, he's thrown this thing out there, and it's called a boomerang, and it comes right back on the church. So Paul has actually laid the matter of sin at, at the feet of the church. And when we read on in verses 1 through 5 in chapter 2, Paul's just getting started. Uh, he comes up with another one here. Uh, he says, church, you may think you can condemn such people, but you're just as bad and you have no excuse. And again, he's speaking to the Roman church. Okay, remember that. No, not to us. This is a Roman church. Okay, when you say they're wicked and they should be punished, you're condemning yourself for you who judge others do the very same things. And we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you're storing up terrible punishment for yourself, for a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Now, if you want a visual, okay, for Romans 1, 24 through Romans 2, 5, here's your visual. Paul has just taken a big bucket of ice water, and he has just doused the church in Rome with it. Their reaction is much like yours, except they're going, oh my gosh, I've just been shocked. I mean, this is the ultimate ice bucket challenge, but they didn't know it was coming, okay? And so so what Paul is doing here, he's saying, look, church, how dare you judge anyone of sin that you yourselves are guilty of? You know, how, how dare you, Roman church, point the finger at the unbelieving church and go, ha, ha, they have no excuse. You know, their contempt For God's creation witness has brought all the darkness that we see. And Paul comes back to them in verse 4 and says, Look, when you church, you're in a pretty tight spot yourself. Because although, yes, they have shown contempt for creation, what the church in Rome is doing is they're actually showing contempt for the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's why he's saying, look, have you forgotten the kindness the forbearance, the patience of God that came to you through Jesus Christ. And what Paul is challenging them all, and he's saying, look, all of this should have you guys locked into a place of repentance. I mean, it should be a life of repentance for the church, not you guys wandering into the very same sins that you're condemning other people for. 
And so he ends that Romans, and this just made my blood run cold this week, Romans, because of your stubborn and and unrepentant heart, you are storing up God's wrath against yourselves for the day of judgment to come. And I tell you, I got to the end of this, and I thought, man, I can just feel the objections and feel the pushback from the Roman church. I mean, I can just feel them going, Paul, you must be out of your mind. How in the world do you stand in front of us in the church and you say things like this? I have never murdered anybody. I have never committed adultery with anyone. And the whole time, we have uh, the words of Jesus looking him right back in the face. Yeah, but if you've ever hated your brother, you have murdered him in your heart. If you've ever looked with lust upon another man or woman, you've committed adultery in your heart. And I I can just hear that conversation. And then the next one, because here's the next objection typically when, you know, uh, from a religious crowd, which is, okay then, Paul, so are you trying to tell us that our gossip and, and, and the times that we wander and very innocently into slander, but are you telling me the few times we do those, that those are on equal par with all of these sexual sins? Our sins are much less than their sins. And uh, all the time having to face this list where Paul has just said, you know what, here they are, folks. The sins all throughout Scripture, Romans 6.23 from last week, you know, the, the wages of all sin is death. But see, even if the Roman church, you know, even if they could convince Paul and, and get him to, okay, change his wording on those sins, they've still got the other problem that Paul just brought up in Romans uh, one, uh, uh, 2, 1 through 5, which is this whole matter of judgment. When believers judge unbelievers and even fellow Christians. And Paul's saying, look, every time you do that, you have just condemned yourself. You know, when, when you, the Roman church, act like judge, jury, and executioner, guess what? The verdict is God's wrath on you. And so what Paul has done is he has completely just flipped the script on the Roman church, you know, and, and I think I told y'all when, when I went through this before, you know, I can just see the church, you know, when, he, when he's uh, preaching Romans 1 all the way up through like, like uh, uh, through the end of the chapter, through 32, I can just hear him going, amen, 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 Paul, you get those sinners, that's right, they're exactly all this way, but then Paul turns this corner, and suddenly they're underneath a new reality, you know, where once they were cheering, you know, their godlessness brought on all this wickedness, now it's, oh my gosh, our judgment is a wickedness that's just led to godlessness. And I know it's easy to read a passage like this and think, boy, I tell you, Paul, man, what is wrong with you? You know, I mean, what, what, did you get up on the wrong side of the bed today? I mean, you know, was you, were, you know did, were your bagels moldy? I mean, what's your problem? You're just being so harsh here. But you know what Paul is doing? He is only echoing the words of Jesus Christ. Matthew 7, 1 through 5, Jesus says this, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard that you use in judging is the standard by which you'll be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that that speck when you can't see past the log in your own eye, you hypocrite? First, get rid of the log in your own eye, and then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. And so the bottom line now for this Roman church 
they have got a whole lot to digest. And if they don't repent of the sin of judgment, they are going to have a deadly case, and I mean a deadly case of spiritual indigestion. I, tough sermon. I mean, I, I just I think, man, Paul, you are so brave. So here's the question. Okay, that was them. This is Paul's teaching to this church in Rome. Now, where does this, all of this stuff, where does that leave the evangelical church in modern-day America? In exactly the same boat that they were, okay? Um, we still have no right as God's children to, to weigh, measure, and find people wanting. Yes, that was from that, uh, night, that night movie. I, I, I lifted that from uh, Rupert on that one. Um, but but we, we still don't get to act as judge and jury. Instead, what we have to start off realizing is that the church needs the gospel of Jesus Christ as much as the unbelieving world needs the gospel. We, we never graduate from the gospel. We never move beyond the basic principles. And so when it comes to something like judgment, well, sin, of course, too, but as, when it comes to judgment, we need to be as far away from judgment as humanly possible. Now, with that said, let's be honest, okay, and this is where the Lord really got me this week, and I'm enjoying typing until I get to this part. With all that said, we in the church of Jesus Christ all over this nation, we do a whole lot of judging these days. And I was like, when I, you know, when I wrote that down the first time, I said, yes, Lord, the church sure does. And God was like, oh, no, sir, let me just show you. And I've been, I've been in a, in a, in just repenting all week long, but we do. We do a lot of judging in the church. Now, let's take Paul's example, okay? Let's take homosexuality, for example. The church makes typically, not all the time, makes two deadly judgments when it comes to homosexuality, okay? Now, the first one, um, and KPC, we are not ever going to go down this road, so you need to hear me on this one. The first one is actually not when we judge homosexuals, we judge God, okay? There is a whole wing of the church that judges God and says, you know what? He didn't mean what he said here. Homosexuality is really not that big a deal. It's not a sin anymore. And so, in, in, you know, whether it's trying to be relevant or culturally whatever, you know, we, we, we just dismiss it and push it aside. Oh, my gosh, that is such a colossal and tragic mistake. I, oh, it's a horrible thing. The church should never do that. Here's the other one, though. The second is when we judge homosexuals and we condemn them, and we just fire away. So in other words, here's what we do with homosexuality. I had a big talk with somebody I love just the other day about this. Instead of letting homosexuality be a sin, which it is, it is a sin in Scripture, but instead of letting it be a sin, we make it the sin, okay? The worst sin that has ever been committed. And that is a tragic error. That is a colossal mistake. That is an imbalance of the Word of God. And that goes for every sin on the outside. And I know some people say, oh, sin's no big deal. Sin is a big deal. But they're all a big deal. But for the church, this no judgment rule, it applies to every sin because God is the Lord of the Bible. So what we want to do is we don't want to be guilty on either one of those spectrums when it comes to, to judging. By the way, does anybody know who, who judgment, uh, whose job that is? It's Phil Thrash's job. No, it's God's job, you know? It is the Holy Spirit's job to convict the heart of man. 
you know? And that, that often, I mean, in my life, that, that's where, like, things like evangelism and trying to share Christ, it goes wrong when I try to convict somebody of their sin. I can share the truth, but I can't change a heart. So we leave that to God, but we also can't be guilty of judging one another, you know, because judgment can also happen within the, 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 uh, the church to the church. You know, sometimes it happens directly. You know, I mean, you know, Greg, you and I could like point across the room and say, you know, I'm going to tell you about Gary Howe. That dude is a sinner. You know, we can directly, and y'all, Gary, how, how could a guy who gives you Tootsie Rolls and Lollipop be a sinner? I mean, you know, I picked an example that it wouldn't work, right? But, but we can do that in the church where we begin to point out each other's sins. It's a very direct thing. But also, we've got to be very careful of not indirectly judging and criticizing one another, which happens. Um, I, the, the primary place, and ju- I'm, uh, yes, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I've been here over five years now, so I can maybe get away with this. Maybe not. But you know one of the primary places that I see all kind of condemnation from the church of Jesus Christ toward the church? It's somebody... It's somebody well, yeah. Okay, guess what? We're going to combine them both. Worship and social media. Let's do it right now. Facebook. Okay, let me give you an example of one I saw the other day. And this was one generation against another one, and it broke my heart. I saw a post recently, and, and the picture was of Martin Luther, okay? And the words to his, his hymn, Almighty fortress, it, that's why I'm not in the choir, or is our God beautiful hymn. It is the most majestic, theological, I just, man, I can't hear that hymn enough. So there's the hymn, but you know what was underneath it? It was a picture of a modern-day worship, uh, worship leader, and the person had taken the very best of Martin Luther and the very worst thing they could find that, uh, you know, in their mind, and so it was a tagline to one of the songs, and, and it was just a, a tag repeating line, everywhere I go, everywhere I go, I see you, everywhere I go, I see you, everywhere I go, I see you, yeah. And then at the bottom, it said, worship, dot, 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 what happened? Y'all, that is so judgmental. But see, here's the thing. We're so used to it. We're so used to it. In the church, it doesn't even register anymore. And I saw it and read past it and saw it again, and my heart just broke. And listen, I get it. You know, just seeing, I'm not, I'm not that thick-headed. Somewhat, but not that. Okay? But... It, it's a preference thing. I know that the person who posted that, um, you know, they were just saying, hey, this is my preference. But here's the thing. Our preference doesn't give us a right to body slam the next generation. You know, Billy Graham said something great. I read this beautiful article. I've been having a Billy Graham week because he's a hero of mine. But someone wrote into Billy Graham one time. I thought this was incredible. And they said, Billy Graham, we're doing a whole lot of praise and worship. And by the way, I'm not stumping for praise and worship. I'm just following the, this thread. But they, they, they said, I, what do I tell my worship leader? Because I'm so sick of all this praise and worship. And Billy Graham said, guess what? The, the, the songs that you love used to be the new songs too. How about grace? How about applauding the next generation? How about saying, you know what, I recognize in part that it's your turn. And, and when you get that spirit, go talk to your praise and worship leader because, you know, you probably do need to sing a few more hymns. But that's just that mature grace that doesn't load up and fire away. And, and I just thought, Billy, yes. But the, the post underneath this, this, or the comments underneath this post was, love it. Truth. Okay. The truth is, it is time for the church of Jesus Christ to take Paul and Jesus seriously regarding judgment.
It really is. And just so you know, this morning, I was, I was all ready to come out here, and the Lord said, uh, you need to repent for a few, more th- a few more items of judgment. So look, I, I am one of them, okay? I am one. But as Christians who sin, as Christians who are still being transformed, we need to embrace humility. Humility first, as, as people who are being forgiven. We need in the church, just like in Rome, we need to, to, to not zero in on the sins of other people and take shots, you know? Here's another visual, because visuals help me a lot. Um, if we're a crowd of people and there's a, an adulterous woman, guess what it's time for us to do in the church? Drop the stones and just and, and, and walk away. Hey, oh, no, what happened? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes, Lord, I hear you. I haven't forgotten, Lord. This isn't just for them. It's for me too. Amen. It's for all of us. But, but it is time to drop stones and walk away. But see, here's the thing. Here's the thing that's so beautiful. When we have that heart, we still get to stand on the Word of God when it comes to sin and when it comes to salvation. You don't forsake the one for the other. And we reach out to people with the gospel. Let me give you a story of, of how all this comes together. I'll give you a personal story of my life. Years ago, I got invited to, <laughs> to go. It's really, it's, I still, it's so visual. I got invited to speak at a local Christian high school. And so I got up there, and man, y'all, I gave these kids, listen, I'm not bragging. I'm modest. This was a good message. Really good. <laughs> it was about the love of God, the salvation of Jesus Christ. And when I got done, I was like, man, that was it right there right in the sweet spot of the gospel, where this kid comes walking up to me, and man, he is moving. I mean, he's just got to, and I'm like, uh-oh, I don't think he's going to tell me how he liked the sermon, uh, the message. I don't think he's going to compliment me, and he, he didn't even say anything, anything other than he pointed his fingers at me, his finger at me, and he goes, oh yeah? Well, what do you think about homosexuals and homosexuality? And I was like, oh my gosh, I wasn't prepared for that. And so I, I, as, a, as a pastor, you know, and I was the chaplain for NASCAR at the time, I was about to explain to him uh, about what the Bible says about sin and the heart of God to forgive sin. And the Holy Spirit said, no, stop. Say this instead. And so I said this to him. I said, you know, young man, I think Jesus got it right when he said that he among you who is without sin can cast the first stone. I have no right to stand here and judge you and judge your lifestyle. The kid looked back at me and he said, oh man, I love you. (laughs) And then I said, I said to him, you know what? I love you too. And Jesus loves you. And he has a lot to say to you about his love, but you know what? He's also got a lot to say to you about your lifestyle. And he said to me, well, where is that? Where can I find that? We sat down on, on the front, uh, you know, on the, the front row there, and I just shared with them the gospel. We talked actually of even Romans, you know, one, all of it. We sat there and, and, and just went through it. And, and I just want to say it is not rocket science to stand with God. And listen, guys, I, I love you. I think you know this about me, but I'm going to say it. When it comes to what the Bible says is sin, we got to hold to that, Okay. We, 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 we can't go, I don't care how much your culture changes, I don't care how hip your media gets, what the Bible says is sin is sin. And listen, there is nothing loving about pushing people into it or telling them it's okay, it's not right. And there are times when you're going to be labeled, you know, oh yeah, well you're just a bigot, you're just hard-headed, you know what, we have got to stand with our God 
you know, people got to be, be saved from this stuff, but we can do that, but we can also do it in love like Jesus is. Here's my prayer. Here's my prayer for KPC, okay? You guys might want to stop me from praying this, but I'll go ahead and tell you my secret prayer for the church. My prayer for KPC, I pray this at least three times a week, Lord, give us the ones nobody else wants. I pray that all the time. So my prayer is that people come in here and they're struggling with all kinds of stuff. But here what they find, they find truth. And that, that's part of the problem with a church that waters down the gospel is you're not giving people enough truth to, to live on. You know, it, you're not giving them bread, man. You're giving them air sandwiches. But they come in here and they hear the truth, but they also experience the love of God. You know, people just calling them out, I love you. Yeah, but I'm at this. Ah, come on, man. Come on to the cross, man. Just come on. Be a part of our family. There's room for you. And we see people get transformed and loved and changed. You know, that's my prayers. We're just that kind of, that kind of place, the goodness, the love, the mercy, and the salvation. Um, Neil is going to lead us now in, um, in communion. And one thing that, that I, don't, I don't know if he'll point this out, so I'll say it real quick. Um, the beautiful thing about communion for us is that this shows us, this has a lot to say to us about the judgment of God that has been pulled off of the church because of Jesus Christ. I think today, though, as we take communion that we, we, we just also recognize, and Lord, I don't need to pick that judgment out and, and become the judge. So let me pray for us, and uh, let, me, uh, let me turn this over to Neil Ellison, the man with the best hair in Hampton Road. Sorry. <laughs> I love you, man. God, you are so good. And I thank you, Lord. I, I, I said to you this morning that um, I, in regards to me, I, I am a man who is judged. Um, I have judged. And Lord, I thank you today that when you discipline, it's for deliverance. When you put us under the fire of punishment, it is for freedom's sake. Lord, I thank you that at the cross of Jesus Christ, everything that is sin was obliterated because of, because of the resurrection, the person of Jesus. And so, Father, I thank you that everything Paul lists, Lord, everything that we are prone to wander into, uh, whether it's religion or uh, you know, just whatever, maybe a past wound in our lives, I thank you that you have come to set us free to be a people who stand on the truth, and yet we are all about the love of God. So, Father, use us. Do greater things here. Thank you, Lord, for a living word that is just beautiful. And Holy Spirit, we just continue. I have to acknowledge you. I thank you for what you are doing in this body. In Jesus' name, fill, refresh, cleanse, inspire. Lord Jesus, be the Lord of this church, every one of us in every way, in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the KPC podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.